The views expressed in this podcast are those of individuals and do not reflect those of the U.S. government, the Peace Corps, or the government of Panama. Hello, my name is Dan Lipkowitz and welcome to the Peace Corps Panama Files. In this podcast miniseries, each week I will be interviewing a different volunteer who is finishing up their Peace Corps service in Panama. We'll talk about where they come from, what led them to join the Peace Corps, and with each guest I'll tackle a different fundamental aspect of serving as a volunteer in Panama. We'll delve into what has been enlightening, difficult, and downright strange as they've navigated the cultural and professional journey of serving as a volunteer over the past two years. So as Aiden, Nick, Chriso, Jeff, Andrew, and I continued our roundtable discussion, we dove into the inveterate favorites of Panamanian cuisine, describing Sancocho, our favorite Panamanian food. And also, we talked about what possible gastronomical risks there are uh, that one might encounter down here. We also uh, described the Cantadera, which is a cultural cornerstone of Panama, and we explained both the, si- the style and substance of Cantadera and its rhyme scheme, the Decima. And there's special breeds of, of fighting chicken, yeah. fighting roosters as well, which I didn't even, I've never even gotten in. There's a guy in this community that, uh, that raises fighting chickens, but we've never gotten some, to the nitty gritty about it. There is some potential for a peace correspondence expedition, figuring out how to use the gagos and put it in a special kind of soup. That Poison soup. <laughs> Sound, it sounds like the meat would probably be really firm. Like, <laughs> but, that yeah, good. but if you cook it down, oh, know, you can still make, a, you still make a good broth out of it. For sure. sure. Something, something yeah. I mean, you have, has to have some knowledge on this. I think, like, yeah. For, for our listeners, one of the most traditional dishes, one of the defining dishes of Panama, correct me if I'm wrong, is Sancocho, which is a uh, soup that is composed of chicken and uh, a number of root vegetables that are, that all grow here in Panama. So you'll get, you get your broth, you start making it with some chicken, you boil it down so you get a good stock going, you throw in some chunks of ñame, which is, it grows as a vine, but the roots of the vine are a really starchy plant, tastes kind of like a potato or like taro pan if you've ever had that. They'll throw in they'll throw in taro, which is called a toy here. Piece of yuca for sure. Culantro, which tastes like cilantro, but it's a little bit different. Um, onions, peppers. Onions, peppers. Garlic. What else is in a good sancocho? It's pretty simple. So that's yeah. when it changes to a soup, a sopa, is mm-hmm. when you throw in like you add in a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah. like throwing in a, in so that's a, when the classification changes. Yeah. So throwing in a sapayo of a squash, for example, a pumpkin, uh, that changes it to a soup. I no where I'm living, there's not that, that strict like line I've, between the definition of sopa and sancocho. I think it, I think sopa. If you start yeah. like carrots, if you add a carrot to a yeah. sancocho yeah. soup. Yeah. But I've heard even that uh, sancocho. Is just ñame, otoy, 
chicken and cilantro and like Dude. oregano mm -hmm. and even if you throw yuca in which is cassava in english but it's this it's a ubiquitous uh root vegetable around here which is delicious if you throw that in it becomes a soap opera yeah it changes yeah absolutely um oh it's, it's not just in your experience it's not just the classic sancocho versus a different kind it's sancocho versus yeah 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 that's panmanian's about yeah and you can if you during the cooking process if you toss in rice and you let it cook and get kind of like a, it's almost like a stew with rice you put the rice in the soup that's called wacho and that's also really good yeah watch is like more of a stewy type thing exactly why why do you guys think this is a question uh, i've pondered upon but haven't been able to find an answer yet why do you guys think soup became so popular down here i know like all of us now, we've discussed this before as a group of dudes, but we love song culture. We're all in the song culture it's train. The it's incredible. It's delicious. So it's medicine. It it feels medicinal. <laughs> I feel I feel my body being reinvigorated as I eat it. But when I first came down here, Panama, mm -hmm. uh, like pretty close to the equator. It's incredibly yep. hot down it here. It didn't make sense. It didn't Why make sense you? to me. Why would they be, be making piping hot soup for lunch every day? Because they make this all the time. This right. is this is the standard go-to lunch. Why would they be making sancocho when it's this hot? People don't want hot soup. I had, I think, an, a, a different factor we had during training uh -huh. was that we had this hour period for lunch. So we would get done with Spanish class, for example, in the morning mm -hmm. at, what was it, 12? Yeah, around noon. 12. Right, around mm -hmm. noon. Noonish. And then walk back to my house, get back to my host family's house at 12.15 or whatever, and not have that long. So there wasn't really time to wait for the, for the soup or the sancocho or whatever to cool down. Exactly. So I had to eat it hot. But what, what do you think would make a, a culture, why do you think soup became uh, a standard dish here, especially in such a hot environment as this? I, I've thought before that it might have something to do with the fact that a lot of the people in these rural areas are, are subsistence farmers, mm -hmm. and they don't have an exact system to like, I'm going to get, I'm going to uh, harvest this amount of nyame or yuca going to sell it to these people or going to give it to these people. It's not a planned out system exactly. So I think that a lot of times there's extras and there's almost always a gallina running around. So throw it all together. And throw it all together. Mm -hmm. I so think it makes it taste nice. It, it does. It does allow the strongest flavors to come out. I was also thinking, I don't know what you, I'll bounce this idea off you guys, but I was thinking now a lot of you guys in your communities do eco stoves which are double burners, usually unless you're making some custom triple or quadruple burner eco stove. And that eco stove is an alternative to the traditional three stone pilot, which is just a three stone system, which is just you build a fire in the ground, have three big stones and set a pot on top of it. And I was thinking that they don't, the cooking down here, most families, especially in the less developed areas where we are, they don't have a lot of burners to work with. The idea of having four, mm -hmm. like a, of a four burner stove is something kind of new. So if you 
we're working with just you had one fire and one pot there and you have all these ingredients what's the best way to utilize to cook all those ingredients while utilizing a small amount of space all at once all at once so you throw that chicken in first you cook it a little bit then you put water and you have broth and you can cook everything in one pot over one flame instead of going through the the difficult process of having to build an entire another fire and cooking everything. So I don't know if that contributed to it as well. Makes a lot of sense. Part of it too. Yeah. I also think I've heard people like people are saying that cultures in the tropics, or like people who live in the tropics, it's pretty common for them to make soup because it's a way to like pick off all the micro bacterial stuff and bugs. Mm. So they boil everything kills everything and so because yeah. there's a lot of stuff growing down here yeah you're not tropics. finding steak tartare down here exactly anything like that so it's kind of it's it's a health mechanism as well that makes sense 100 percent. and the food always tastes better on uh from the fogon from from the flames absolutely the rice always turns out better you get that more distinct taste and, and manus usually if they cooked the majority of their life, they will continue to cook. Yeah, it gets that smoky flavor. Yeah. I, also, I also like when they have matanzas down here, which is matanza means slaughter. For our listeners, it means slaughter, and it's essentially when a community slaughters a cow and invites surrounding communities over for a big party to eat the cow. So there'll be games during the afternoon. Obviously, they'll be using the cow to make lots of different food. But after they... After they initially butcher the cow, what they'll do is they'll take the meat and they'll just hang it on strings over fires to smoke it out. Mm-hmm. And that adds really... They'll, they'll just... I mean, here, they'll just cover it in garlic and salt and throw it to smoke. Which, for a while. For a while. Yeah. Which taste, ends up tasting really, really good. Just set out in the sun sometimes, too. That, too. Let the sun just dry it out. Mm-hmm. Dry that meat. Fry it later. Exactly. It's so delicious. Well, it really concentrated because it's dried out, it concentrates the flavor. And then if you want to do a soap, a sopa with meat, like that's freaking awesome. A lot of times at Matanzas, they, they serve the meat in three, three or four different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get carne guisao, which is like meat cooked in its own juices. Mm-hmm. And you'll have sopa. And then so just fried meat with carne yeah, frita. And yeah, and then just fry yeah, fry it up. Mm-hmm. So about where we are is a uh, mostly where we are most a lot of subsistence farmers and lots of long days working out in the out in the fields and one of the main uh, economic slash community activities is to gather all for a day of a junta. Which is basically, if someone has a, a field of rice to cut, he can't really do it all by himself. So he invites over uh, 9, 10, 20, 30, depending on how many, how big his field is. And they just cut rice all day. And normally for these, for these hard, long days and, and uh, hard work and exposure to the sun, in my, where I am at least, there's a lot of... Uh, Sopa. Sopa is the main, uh, is what the the cooks usually bring to the guys at at uh, at noon. Mm-hmm. 
um, beef, beef soup. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of why sofa is such a big part of uh, Panamanian culture because it's definitely connected with work day with lupas. On work days, and the other thing is that Panamanians don't really generally uh, drink water, and soup is maybe a way for them to rehydrate. Rehydrate. Yeah, <laughs> drinking water is not rehydrate, and they get their they get their salts too from the absolutely from the soup. It's uh, sometimes it, it's it's rehydration a wonderful day. <laughs> it's a wonderful day. It starts off with a matanza mm-hmm. and leads into a baile. Oh man. Sometimes that also happens. Oh, so yeah. The corner will also host a, a party afterwards. That's a full day of fun. And a full day of traditional Panamanian food. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think we mentioned we didn't talk about cantaderas. Oh, we didn't? T- oh, my God. How could we not talk about cantaderas? So, cantaderas are leading up... When you get to a baile, there's always a cantadera first. Which will be usually two guys playing guitar. So there's one guy who's playing the traditional uh, guitar rhythm, and then there'll be a guy soloing on top. And then there will be anywhere from two to three. Sometimes this baile that Nick and I went to recently, there were five guys that were that were all doing it. Um, but it's essentially, I think the best way to describe it is the traditional Panamanian rap battle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you just how would you describe the the guitar? Like picky, like thinking. Yeah, so they call it. Uh, there, there's one they call it like, uh, like pata de gallina, mm-hmm. which means like the foot of uh, of a rooster or foot of a hen, and it's because your hand has to like to do the picking pattern. Yeah, your hand has to be in this kind of claw, chicken claw shape. Uh-huh. But it's but yeah, it's uh it's got like a. It's kind of like a tumbling. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of keeps rolling. But yeah. So anyway, live musician in the house. Oh. I say we have Aiden here. Not bad. Not bad. Confident himself. So you'll play the traditional guitar rhythm, and then someone will, and then the guys will sing over it, and they'll start with a salomar, which is kind of this long shout, which we'll have someone demonstrate in a hot second. Uh, and then they'll go into a, it's called a decima, is the form of the rhyme. Mm-hmm. And they'll have some rhyme, generally talking about rap battle-like things. How great they are, where they come from, how they're better than the other guys. But usually there's some sort of agricultural metaphor yep. uh, enveloped into it. So they'll say something like, I come from Veraguas. I'm the man. My chickens are better than yours ever will be. <laughs> but I mean, it rhymes when they do it. But it will be along that type of line. Then if it's really good, you will have the audience. The audience will be listening and they'll all go, oh. oh. Do the, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the traditional guitar part kind of sounds like... Or actually, here's just a good romantic one for us to listen to.
te lo pido Nada tuviera sentido Si no sintiera tu amor Y si te causa dolor El que Dios nos mande un hijo Por nuestro bien te lo exijo Tienes que tener valor Y a la raza femenina logró besarle los labios Para que angustia y resabio No soy como Salomón Soy campesino varón Solamente tengo dos Por esa razón mi Dios Siempre concede el perdón um, I like it when they have like a story behind it, it's actually like, I think, uh, I've heard a lot of Panamanians say that Magdalena's, sometimes they don't like listening to them anymore because they just become really vulgar because um, they are like, they're like insulting each other and they get really dirty sometimes. But traditionally, I guess a lot of them, they used to kind of do more storytelling. So they would actually like go back and yeah, forth I and think, tell a story. I think that's what's at the root of Capoeira. There's For some sure. sort of... They're trying to tell some sort of story, putting some sort of story into song. Yeah. Um, kind of like a poetic way of expressing. It is. The way that they I describe mean, it when they say the decimas, they say it's a form of, po of poetry. Yeah. Mm -hmm, which is really awesome. And another a huge cornerstone of, uh, of decimas, of cantaleras, are usually involve a woman. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's almost always men singing cantaleras. And almost always they're talking about a love that they had that they lost or that the woman tragically left them. Mm -hmm. And it's just the man all by himself. I think the criticism Crystal was talking about that he's heard from certain Panamanians in this context is maybe a, a beautiful, often sad love story has kind of turned into just some guy bragging about how hot his wife is. That, that's yeah. someone. That's the criticism that I hear about the new guys. Yeah. yeah, they say new guys coming up are too focused on themselves and not exactly. focused uh -huh. enough on the on the story or the tradition exactly. of, of the cantarera, mm -hmm. which does which makes sense. I mean, and meanwhile, while all this is going on, everyone is no one is dancing. The ballet, the dance has not begun yet. Everyone is sitting at a table and they have chairs and or pass, you know, they're walking around. Um, it's more a social time. You can kind of walk you, around and you drink. You talk to people. Mm -hmm. you kind of feeling out the vibe. Yeah. Yep. Feeling out the vibe. Everyone's kind of also, they're putting, their, they're setting their tables down, so they're, they're kind of setting up where their spot will be for the night as well. And then when the cantadera ends, they usually move the tables that are in the center of the area away, and that creates the dance floor space. So the cantadera band... Uh, the, they they step down and then the like main show starts. But cantadetas are super are super fun to to listen to. I I absolutely when I go to bailes, a lot of times people in my community will will tell me, oh, I'm going after I'm showing up later because I really want to listen to the cantadera. But if I can, I will absolutely listen to the cantadera because. Also, they 
in especially in the in the compo where I feel sometimes in the educational system down here where we are, creativity isn't especially, uh, I don't know, it's not as strongly encouraged as maybe I would like it to be. The Cantadera is an example of these guys that come from the compo that are really, are being really creative with their words mm -hmm. and being really inventive. And I really, I really love seeing that side of, of Panamanian culture come out, which sometimes it, which sometimes it's lost the idea of of uh of witty articulation is not something that they they really put too much of an emphasis on uh except i guess in in these certain sorts of situations but it's really cool to witness that yeah how does it go till three sometimes in the morning three four three four in the morning you can um you can amanecer there, which just means you just hang out there after the bylands until seven eight in the morning, and then go home. Never done it myself, but I've done it once or twice. It's it's all right. It's just <laughs> it just ruins. You just can't do anything for the next two days. The next, day yeah, the next day or two for sure. Um. Yeah. Is there any? I, we, we're like coming up on the 40 minute mark, so we'll wrap this sucker up. But is there any Panamanian food that you guys won't eat? Or any? Pig's like feet. Pig's you won't do big pig's feet? I don't like pata de puerco. No, it's just, it's all bone and cartilage. Is that in soup form or in... Uh, in yeah, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like... Because they're sour. Kind of boil it. Yeah, they're sour. They're sour. Because you can have like sopa de pata, and that can be, that's mm -hmm. like hoof soup, and it can either be cow or pig hoof. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, I love that. You love it? I Yeah, I love sopa de pata. But sour, I, I kind of yeah. get what you're saying. They boil a pig foot, and then they put it in hot sauce and lemon juice. I don't think they, they even boil it. Yeah, they must. I think they boil a little bit, but it comes out really cartilagey. Yeah, my yeah. I just had that experience with my host mom. I was like, she had made uh, pata de puerco, and I was um, around the house that day, so she offered me a plate, and I remember just sitting right next to her as she's sucking on the hoof, just like, <laughs> and talking to me mid conversation with like this pig's foot in her mouth. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I don't know, it made me feel nauseous. It was just, I just don't, it's a bad experience with it. I feel like Panama teaches us to not be very picky in what we eat. Um, yeah, anything else. For sure. I've eaten so many different parts of so many animals that yeah. I can't really oh, yeah. like, recall all of them right now. But <laughs> and so, and you, and you so many parts. Too. Yeah. Eat everything, the cartilage and all. But the one, the couple things, I think there are a couple things that are, it's not that I won't eat them, it's that I'll, probably, I'll struggle to eat them. Uh-huh. It's the mendo, mondongo. Mondongo, dude, that's what is, I was going to say. Which is I, like cow intestine. I love mondongo. My, my horse yeah. Andrew <laughs> enters the fray <laughs> after being asleep on the floor for the past <laughs> 40 minutes. Mondongo did it. <laughs> mondongo wakes him up. When it's, when it's 
it's fresh, when it's fresh and clean, good, my mom cooks it and she cooks it without a tomato sauce. Yeah, it's and clean, black, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's gotta be, and it's gotta be fresh. <laughs> like, if it's like a day old, like, forget about it. So, like, just, yeah, just to clarify, Mondongo is cow intestine. And it's very clear. It's it's clear. It's a pale white that's mm-hmm. translucent, and when think they... of like a thicker, more chewy calamari. Yeah, that's not as tasty. Yeah, and it's emphasis, like Nick said, on on properly cleaned because the multiple times I've eaten it, it still had that that aftertaste of what the cow had eaten. So, <laughs> so I would be eating Mondogo, and I would be thinking to myself, "This tastes a little bit like grass with culantro <laughs> mixed in." Oh, so I've, had, I've had good Mondogo, and I've had really bad Mondogo. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's one of the things. Like you kind of take a chance. It's Maybe. a gamble. You ask me if I've ever gambled, Jeff. <laughs> Every day I accepted Mondongo. Oh. That's it with like Android. He has reliable Mondongo supplier yeah. source. So <laughs> that's, that could be, you know, you take advantage of that. But yeah. Mondongo also has like a really chewy texture to it, which I'm not exactly about. But yeah. And then also the sow. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Cold, cold pig's feet. Yeah, cold pig's feet and lemon juice yeah. and hot sauce. I'll eat, also eat chicken, chicken feet, but again, it's not... You're pretty much just sucking the skin off. Yeah. And that just... But they're good to like they're they're good for making soup to add some flavor. Sure. If you're running out of meat, just throw a couple chicken feet in there, boil it down, to get some good flavor. Um. I personally draw the line also at uh, pig liver. Ego. Yeah. Ego. My, my landlord um, is his pigs. Along with chicharron. You're you're not down to chicharron. No no no. I'm saying he along he makes he makes a lot of chicharron, which I personally love. Mm-hmm. But along with it, like he'll normally invite me over after he's killed a big glass of chicharron. I was like, of course. Mm-hmm. Chicharron for our listeners is pork belly. It's fried pork belly. So it's imagine if you took bacon, but rather than slicing it into thin pieces of bacon, you just had a large, thick section of it. Deep slab fry. of it and then they deep fry it and they'll deep fry it really hot and they'll they won't shave off that much of the of the fat so the fat when it hits the hot oil will puff up and open it'll be and it'll have some great crunch to it so it's mostly fat just a little bit of the meat but it's kind of this puffed up fried fat a lot of way times when we cook it we don't even use any oil it actually the fat the, the, the fat from, from the pig itself, itself yeah it turns into what they actually cook it in that's a good example of something that yeah. was borderline repulsive at first, and mm-hmm. oh, now I crave it sometimes. Another, another, another interesting fact about that too is the older and bigger the pig is, the the harder that the chicharron comes. So like a young <laughs> pig with like other fat is like when it's more suave and better. Ah, and then if you're eating old pig chicharron, it will it just taste like, like eating rocks. Yeah, it's like rocks that a lot of people like. Uh, ah. That's interesting. Yeah. But anyway, Sometimes. yeah, I have this running joke with my landlord. He, he invites me over and gives me some rice and chicharro. And he just consistently, even though he knows it doesn't like it, he'll offer me the, the fried pig liver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, liver. Fresh, I've fresh. tried every time, and every time I take one bite, and I say I can't. 
it's a, it's got a strong irony flavor to it for exactly. sure. Fresh fresh liver is good, but once again, kind of reaches another day or two. I don't know. I, I can't really handle liver like chicken yeah. liver, mm-hmm. cow liver, pig liver. I'm, I'm fresh is good, liver. and also so I love. I, I liver is usually the first thing that they cook after butchering mm-hmm. an animal, and yeah, I. That's I when it's, it's been a fascinating experience to participate in, in animal butcherings here, just to see exactly how it gets from you see a live animal and then broken down like piece by piece into what's on your plate later that day. It's been absolutely mesmerizing to see how efficiently they do it and then learning part of that process as well. I think that watching someone butcher an animal correctly, just being able to make like those clean cuts of meat and remove all the different sections, it's almost like watching an artist. It's watching like watching someone paint. But yeah. Anyway, I think we're all appropriately hungry now. We should probably Jeez. try and drag down some food. Make some soup. Makes we should probably make some soup. It's also make incredibly hot and humid. I've got some but yucca. We, we still, still we can, have gone us today so far. We can see if we can harvest a yucca behind my house. If you want. And yeah, we could fry that fry that sucker up. Um, but yeah. Christo Ferguson, Nick Cavello, Aiden Cochran, Jeff Mayer, and Andrew McInnes. Thank you so much for joining me on this extra bonus soup day episode of the People. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It's my pleasure. It's a great time. Pleasure is all mine.